Welcome to Textual Healing. This is Mallory Smart, and I am joined by my co-host, Andy Tran. Yeah. Good morning, Andy. Morning. Or good afternoon, right? <laughs> we won't tell anybody what time it is. That's yeah, all right. <laughs> they'll figure it out. They're, they're observant and smart. <laughs> yeah. Just like our guest, Joshua Bonsack. What's How up, doing, Josh? Josh? Doing great. I don't know that I've ever been told I was observant and smart in the same sentence, so I appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, I see you. You're on the M&A Music Podcast. You're going to be told that you're a lot of great things. <laughs> the shower you of compliments. I can use the ego boast. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should just like make that the point of the podcast, just like building right. people up. It's like an opposite this battle. Okay. okay, so my last podcast, we ended on the weirdest thing. And I feel like it really relates to what we're talking about. Um, do you know Brian Allen Ellis? Do I? From uh, House of Lamb. Oh. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I was at a reading with him in mm-hmm. Miami. Uh, I don't even know when. But Nate Perkins and I were discussing it. And the one thing that stuck with me was that while we were just kind of smoking and drinking and waiting for our turn to read at a seven-hour book reading, (laughs) we were discussing like how you could split up society, and he insisted that you could split the world into two different kinds Mm. of people, people who love the band Kiss and people who hate the band Kiss. So where do you guys land? Um, So... I was obsessive with Kiss from the time I was like nine till, I mean, still on and off occasionally. Like, there's something mm-hmm. about them where, like, I, I saw them when I was like nine. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And, like, I, like, you know, bought all their albums. And, like, it was like this bonding moment with my dad and I where we could just, like. <laughs> Holy shit. Where'd you go? Well, like, they came to my hometown um, in the Quad Cities, which is, like, on the other side of Illinois. Uh, mm-hmm. And. So, like, I saw and I was like, this is amazing. Like, it's just, like, such a spectacle. And it was, like, where I, you know, I used to only listen to the radio. It was just, like, something so much different than I had ever heard. Um, mm-hmm. And was just, like, obsessed for years on and on. And, I mean, that like, that eventually, like, led to me, like, like, you know, rock music and then, like, you know, like, hardcore metal music. And, like, then I went back to, like, my folky ways. But I saw yeah, them again sure. um, right before I moved to Chicago, like, four years ago. And I just had this like really like bad feeling about it where they had like switched it. So it became like this like thing where like they were saluting the troops and it was like, oh, like, uh, like it, it was, it was just this thing where it was like, it felt so pandery to have done it. Um, I mean, they are a corporate rock band, so you know that they're going to pander well, totally. a little it's bit. It's like a commercialistic, um, just entity like that's mm-hmm. their whole thing where like you can you know get buried in a kiss coffin that has like the cover of killers on it oh shit or just destroyer oh my god and, which to death. i totally yeah I, I mean i'm not opposed to the idea but it's like also like it's that kind of thing where like people are subscribed to like brand culture of like you know your nike or adidas but like they were doing that in 1976 that's crazy mm-hmm 
Yeah, I always love the idea of Kiss. I am dying to see them. Now you just kind of killed it a little bit yeah. for me, but let's hope they don't see I mean, they're the in their early 70s and still like ziplining across the stage. So it's, it's pretty cool, but it's just like a very different tone than when I was like really young yeah. and looking up to them. Also, like your perception. I feel like changes. when you're young versus when you're. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, what I was going to say. <laughs> Like, when I was younger, I saw Joan Jett, and I was like, you are the baddest motherfucking bitch ever. But then I saw her a couple years back, and I was like, ah, uh, how the mighty have fallen. But, no, I actually really dig that. Kiss is on my bucket list, so me and Joshua, we land pro-Kiss. How about you, Andy? I don't really listen to Kiss. I saw, like, one <sighs> episode of, like, Gene Simmons doing, like, a football Um reality tv series <laughs> and that's like by i've never heard of that but it feels so yeah, fitting it was, it was entertaining for the for the most part you've never seen the movie detroit rock city so. <laughs> Is um, it good? i highly recommend that yeah put in my docket i saw it um for like the millionth time the other day because i was showing it to belent now we're going to have two podcasts where I actually reference making and watching it. <laughs> but I actually totally forgot that Natasha Leon is in it. And I was like, oh, hello. That's awesome. I like her. I have a crush on her. I hate that she's not lesbian. <laughs> but uh, I saw that you actually listed a lot of cool music, uh, Joshua, in uh, the essay you sent us. Where do your leanings kind of land more? Um, Because it's a mixed (laughs) bag in this essay. So, I mean, a lot of the essays, like, uh, that I sent you, like, revolves around this, like, Donovan song, which he's someone I never really, like, like, I kind of touched on it because he was, like, not quite folk. And I guess that's where I, like, Mm. would identify my music tastes, like, folk, maybe alt-country. I guess Americana. Because I would kind of throw him like more in yeah. psych folk. So that's kind of like, bit. like he started out like doing this Dylan thing and then people are like, oh, you're trying to do this Dylan thing. And he's like, no, no. And so like totally veered away from that. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Where, I mean, I love Bob Dylan as much as like the other Midwestern folk loving kids do. Um, mm. But even more, I mean, like I'm a, yeah. I'm a diehard Connor Obers fan. Like, listen to him nonstop since I was like 14 and don't plan on stopping. Do you have an acoustic guitar? Just start <laughs> strumming to it. I have like two. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess like I was playing in a um, hardcore band in high school, but I was like writing all these like folk songs just like every night I would like just stay up until like three in the morning and just like write like folk songs and I got really into like mm-hmm. Daniel Johnston and like what did he got three and so like outside art but like folk and like trying to like do something but this was like in the era of MySpace so you could just kind of throw up whatever you wanted and you know get a few listeners and then get a few like comments that are like oh your voice is awful but like I like the lyrics <laughs> and <laughs> I kind of found out like that's a big ouch wow I mean that's ended up being my whole yeah, aesthetic <laughs> <laughs> like I, I've eventually come to terms like that I'm never going to be the best singer. Um, but that was never really my point. Like I would just much rather 
write a song and like write it hopefully like what is an interesting song um, when you say write mm-hmm. the song do you say do you mean write the lyrics and the music or uh yeah so i'm definitely i think more lyric focused than anything mm. and like i i mean i hardly ever write music anymore since i like i mean i kind of switched gears once i like decided to get my mfa and i was like okay like gotcha. this is what i want to do this is something like where I kind of have been leaning towards the whole time was like, I want to make mm. stories. Um, yeah. So and I have friends who are like good at like music production and it's like, I, you know, I can play like a variety of instruments, but I'm not like a master of any of them. Gotcha. Do you do it for fun at all anymore? Or are you just strictly? Uh, writer? Yeah. I still like play around occasionally. Um, I have, I have like an album or so that I've been like, slowly working on but it's just like not priority um do you have anything that like you're done with that we could listen uh, to later yeah so i've got some stuff on spotify um so that's just mm-hmm. under my I'm name under spotify right now <laughs> just joshua bonsek beat me to it went the website. check that out later <laughs> we'll recommend people to check it out i'm sure you have a great voice I mean, you sound good. I I don't hear that often, so appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I, I realized like my focus was like I want to be able to like write good lyrics, um, mm. and then that like yeah. transformed to being like I want to be able to write like good flash fiction and like true. Like that was what I was always paying attention to, and that's like why I gravitated to towards people like like. Um, you know, Connor Oberst, because, like, that was his whole thing. Uh, mm. It's just, like, mm-hmm. he's not a great singer, but he's, like, a really great lyricist. Like, he's going to, he has, like, this amazing songwriting process. And even now, like, his collaboration with, like, Phoebe Bridgers in their um, Better Oblivion Community Center album. Oh, okay. So I have heard of that guy. I've, I've yeah, yeah. Not to oh, so, all, but yeah. <laughs> so he's the guy from Bright Eyes. Oh, his, okay. His space project. Um See, I can imagine you playing that kind of music. <laughs> I could definitely see that now. Based off of my few interactions <laughs> with you. So my whole vibe is just like sad folk boy. But yeah, exactly. hopefully that carries over to my writing as well. Mm. You're a great writer. That's why I was so psyched that you wanted to be oh, on the thanks. show. I I mean, I listened to the first episode. I'm like, oh, this is great. Like it combines the two things I love is like, you know, writing and music. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a really quick question going back. When you said you were like in a hardcore band, that could mean so <laughs> yeah, many things. Like, so, so like, explain. Um, I would say not even like post-hardcore, but it was like, you know, this was the mid to late like aughts. Um, so we were doing, it was like kind of like, off-brand metal so we were doing stuff to kind of like suicide silence or like as blood runs black um or like i mean maybe even kind of closer like as i lay dying and i was the vocalist for this band um and it just kind of happened where like i was just playing around with some friends of mine who were jamming they had like a a punk band a kind of a pop punk band and then they're they're like oh you can do like these metal vocals so like let's just completely redo it um Mm-hmm. So we started doing it and it was just like, man, like I kind of 
I didn't hate the music, but it was like definitely was not me where I was like still writing all these like sad folk songs. And then we would just play all these shows, but it was just like so much fun. Cause I mean, it was like, like literal mosh pit, like kind of like the orchestrated dance mosh stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we did that for a while. Not your show. No, style. but it was really fun to perform, you know? And it's like, like I'm a little more timid in the way I perform. So that was like, I could kind of be this persona. And I was so young that it was like fluid enough that it's like, okay, like I can do this thing and just like have fun with my friends. Um, and like, if it goes somewhere, it does or it doesn't. And like, then eventually the music kind of switched more towards like a day to remember. And I was just like, uh, I'm going to go, I don't want to do this anymore. Do <laughs> <laughs> like, show yeah, me right. the door. How old um, were you? So I was like 16 through 18 or so. All right. Really yeah. We all that. went through that phase. <laughs> it was great. Like we had a really good. Like I, I dated people who were through that phase. So. <laughs> it was a fun community where like I grew up in this rural town. Like I grew up on a farm. Um, and so it was like something my friends and I could do together. And like people would show up. Like we'd have over capacity of like a VFW or whatever. Um, it's such an odd <laughs> venue I don't know why but I actually thought like a barn house would be so much cooler it's really sweet yeah it's uh, like old school Buddy Holly where they would just tour in barns like throughout the country yeah or do gar- garages garages would be sick yeah we did play yeah. this one show that was like in this very small town it was like this girl's birthday party um, but it was like in her parents' basement and her dad was like a hunter, but like very excited about it. And it was just like, I'm dying to hear how the hunter thing. There's a, right. There were like 30 the deer story. heads around us when we we're playing. No and way. Like, like bobcats and like stuff, mountain goats and stuff with like horns. And, <laughs> and it was just like the perfect venue to like turn the lights down. And like, all right, like, let's do this. Like. You know, yeah. like dark metal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, just the images in my head that sounds fantastic. <laughs> it really fit the vibe, and then it was like driving home, where I'm just like, god. "Oh, that's so fun!" But like, you know, I just want to like pick a banjo. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was looking at your website, and uh, it says you're a bookseller. Uh, do you, yeah. Do, so do you do that currently? <laughs> Um, until recently, yeah, I was a bookseller here oh, in okay. Chicago. Um, worked at, I was Where at were Volumes. you at again? Um, it's in Wicker Park in Chicago. Okay. Okay. Awesome. I don't know why I kept thinking you're part of, uh, Uncharted, but no. Okay. Well, that, I mean, that's part of like the Chicago bookseller scene is like, it's very mm-hmm. tight knit where I feel like, okay. you know, in New York, it's a little more combative, but like mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. booksellers here know each other and it's like kind of a community where like i mean there's things where customers would come in and be like oh do you have like such and such a book and i'm like mm. no but i know i'll call the place down the street and see if they have it or like that's cool like, like either of these other. three yeah and i feel like it's a pretty supportive i'm shocked that volumes got part of that niche though because they're pretty new aren't they yeah they're pretty new um i think like to the wicker park yeah, I think scene it's been about at three, least three years uh but they're, 
I mean, far enough away that like there's a bookstore that's like a mile north or like, oh. two miles north or so. And then, but there's like one that's really close that's like a zine specialist, which is Quimby's, which oh, is like this really cool one. There's a really cool used bookstore. Quimby's is great. Yeah, Quimby's. Um, myopic, which myopic. is like, I don't know, two blocks down. I could <laughs> die there. Cool names it's my favorite bookstore ever. Really cool oh, if you come to Chicago, Andy, I am taking you into Myopic. You will love it. Name. You can go to Women and Children First, which is like the basis for the Portlandia That's a great sketch, one. <laughs> which they hate. Apparently, you're not supposed to tell really? them. I adore that but, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> but it's a great bookstore. So you can never be like, hey, it's Women and Women's <laughs> First. Yeah, the, the reason I asked you about uh, being a bookseller, because I, I just started working as a bookseller uh, like a few days ago. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I work in uh, Kramer's at DC. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, fun. It's a, is it a similar scene? Uh, not really. There's like Kramer's and then there's like eight politics and prose bookstores. So that's like <laughs> a big, giant mm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fun. I like I like doing it. I was just like shelving the other day, and it's pretty pretty easy. It, it's an interesting job where like it really changed the way I kind of read. Um, where I, I'm recently switching okay. jobs right now, so it's like still pretty new. But uh, for, what are you switching to? Um, I'm working with like a a writing program for kids, kind of. Um, oh, that's sick. Yeah, hmm. I don't. It's. Like I currently work on um, the Shy Teen Lit Fest, which is like this like four teens by teens festival in Chicago that was supposed to be in April, but right now we're transitioning to like an online format in November. Um, mm-hmm. so that's just one of my <laughs> one of my gigs. Uh, that's real sweet. I dig but it. With book selling. So is that why you um, like volumes? It. Oh. <laughs> You don't have to say if no, it's controversial. I, it's just kind of like I, I needed more steady work. Because, um, I mean, gotcha. as much as I love book selling, it's like I'm doing this minimum wage job in the middle yeah. of a pandemic. <laughs> and, True, like, yeah. yeah. Wait, were they still open? Yeah, but it's within a different capacity where, like, right now you can have, like. Because I know they have the coffee mm-hmm. shop and everything, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, but... I, like, I'd sold, like, four coffees in the last eight months. Uh <laughs> But it, it's kind of open in a limited capacity where they can be like, you know, four or five, six customers in at a time. And like, mm-hmm. you can't like do it as well where like you could like really like recommend books or like put books in people's hands. Um, yeah. The there's a lot of like, kind of gone. yeah, there's a lot of like order fulfilling yeah. um, of like, you know, people pre-ordering whatever the next like mm-hmm. hip anti-racist book is, which I'm all for, but yeah. like, I just hope people are reading those. <laughs> There's so many good ones. Yeah, I was dying to know how it worked. Because I was like in Andersonville, I want to say a couple weeks ago, and they're still doing only like one person in, one person out. one person? That's crazy. Yeah, and then they were doing it where they would like do curbside pickups and yeah, I forget the name of the bookstore though. It's really cool. It's not Women and Children's um, though. Uncharted is up there. That's a good name. Yeah, it's not the new Uncharted either. I'm trying to remember the other name of the bookstore. It's killing me. It's by First Slice. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I know. That's going to kill us. There's, there's, so many, there's like 40 bookstores in Chicago. Um, really? That's crazy. And they're all friends, yeah. I think. Mm. I was actually kind of bummed when Uncharted moved to Andersonville. I really liked the uh, 
sorry, blanking, Logan Square mm-hmm. location. Yeah. Have you been to the new one? I haven't. Um, my friends who run Funny Looking Dog have had like a few events there, uh, mm. which is like a literary magazine. Um, and it's it's just like a really great yeah. communal space that they like care about their literary community. Like we always had with Long Day Press, we had books there for consignment and like they were always like really good about it. And, like kind of putting forth. Oh, yeah. They yeah, definitely they, push like, it. They love local independent presses, I think, mm. a lot more than like other bookstores can devote the time to. Um, and seriously, pre-corona times, like, they were so willing to do anything for reading. You could bring, like, a case of <laughs> really? PBR. They didn't care. I want to say, I, I know it's a persona non grata right now, but I want to say Steve Rogenbuck did it where, like, he encouraged people to bring chainsaws. Really? What? <laughs> and people did. <laughs> I know, you get some weird <laughs> shit in Chicago. <laughs> But I was just wanting to know if they still have the cute dog hanging in the bookstore. Mm. Yeah, I adore that dog. I want to steal it. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's around. That's... I conspired a few times where I was like, I'm going to steal your dog. That's part of the reason they moved. Because, um, well, well, not necessarily Ramona, but like they had, uh, they, the places were just being gentrified like so fast that it was like, you can't have like these small it businesses in there. And they're just going to like knock it down and put it up like, Another target or something. Oh, I really hope target. they don't do that. <laughs> and they've done it in so many different locations mm, in the city. It's right. killing me. Yeah. Shit, we so went off the music. <laughs> Back <laughs> on <the> music. <laughs> but um, so are you writing anything currently? Um, yeah. Music or books? <laughs> so I'm. I just kind of finished up my novel. Um, That's awesome. It was like it was my MFA thesis, and I like really spent the first like month of the pandemic where I'm like, oh, I have time, and I'm gonna like crank through this. And I finished up a draft, and like That's so I, I like hired a friend to edit it, and like got it like ready to go. And I started pitching agents, and then everyone's kind of like, mm, now is not a good time. Mm. Um, but mm-hmm. it is. So the essential premise of the novel is like a folk musician like uh, I'm kind of it's just you know navigating like this new scene and like dealing with like anxiety and um so I guess it, it's a lot of a lot of points it really revolves with what we were into yeah, yeah that was one of those it. things where I kind of realized early on in grad school like I would get f- really focused into a story and be like mm. about like something I'm just like this might be interesting and I just like couldn't finish or couldn't connect Whereas, yeah. like, I found if I write about music, then I'm, like, way more engaged. And yeah. I think almost all my essays are <laughs> music-related. It's like um, a through line, yeah. Yeah. You went it's to Northwestern, really, right? Yeah, I did. Um, That's cool. I, I did my... You got your MFA mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah, I did my... Did you just graduate? Or? Of, uh, it was about a year ago. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, now cool. I'm just, like, hanging out. <laughs> But I kind of were like attacking you at both ends of your credentials. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if I was gonna move to Chicago um, because I was just kind of like you know I would grew up in the Midwest and I've like lived here all my mm-hmm. life and I I wanted to go like you know anywhere else. Um, True. But yeah. I got in. My parents were like you should probably go. <laughs> I could, and I got to study with like people I wanted to, and I got like work on Tri Quarterly magazine. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
So it was really Doesn't great. Doesn't Eula Biss work, work there? Sorry. Yeah, so she's in a nonfiction program. So I didn't get to have any okay, class cool. with her, but she's around somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. And I mean, I I was like, you know, I'm going to do it for two years or whatever, and then I can go wherever I want. Mm, and yeah. then it turns out I just like absolutely adore Chicago. <laughs> That's awesome. We've got a really great lit community. I've I mean, never been. Honestly, yeah, to. I'd like to say we're like a family here, <laughs> Andy. Come on down. I used it's to uh, date someone like from Chicago, and it's, uh, it was like a bad breakup. How did that work huh? out? Well, no, she was like she she used to like she went to like U of Chicago, and she moved to DC, and that's how we met. Ah, uh, story for another uh, time. <laughs> you and I can interview right? each other again, but uh, we can have another hour long yeah. heart to heart. No, I've always wanted to go to Chicago, though. I got a few friends up there too. So. I'll say open invitation. We've got a big <laughs> cool. place. It really is a great art scene. Whereas, like when I moved I here, kind of everyone yeah. being like was very like self conscious, and they're like, you know, it's not New mm-hmm. York or it's not L A. It's like, no, it's not. It's like you guys, everyone's here just doing their own thing, and it's like yeah. it's such a supportive community. Whether you're in music or art or writing or mm-hmm. like like people, like I feel zero competition with everybody i think everyone's like cheering each other on here totally like i've worked for presses where it's kind of just like oh i can't believe they're publishing this writer or whatever or like or they're like oh one of my writers i published like went to a different press and i just like didn't have a have a grasp of that mentality where i'm like oh modlin house put out this like claire hopple one like i can't wait to buy that like (laughs) there's just (laughs) i feel like it's a way more supportive community and everyone's like kind of like excited about what everyone else is doing and like you learn from it and you grow mm. from it and like and it really is the only way to survive yeah. I think right now in the literary world I mean because like we're basically like it's all of us against the big giant <laughs> right. corporations the five guys that are like just like shelling out like celebrity <laughs> memoirs and well and that's the thing is like they can't afford to take risks whereas like they really can't yeah where you have, I mean, like $2 radio is a great example. Cause like they put mm-hmm. out so many great books that bigger presses can't until they put out those books. Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. essentially they worked with Henny Federiki to put out, um, they can't kill us. Till they kill us like kind of encouraging like, well, what if you do that? And then, you know, Hanif just like snapped off and like, wrote that whole book. Um, true. And it does really well, like maybe mm-hmm. not as well as like a huge press, but like really well for an indie press enough that like mm-hmm. everyone else that eventually like they go back forth for the big five and are like, we're going to, you know, swipe this up, which is great for the author. Um, and hopefully helps the press in some way. I feel like it is interesting because like we need small presses to survive yeah. because we're the ones taking the risk and we're allowing them like for those rise like writers to rise yeah, up yeah. like to get to the bigger presses. I mean, think of like like uh, Roxanne Gay or like Mary Tierce or something, you know. Mm-hmm. But like we're the ones taking the risk and then we're like bringing it to the masses. True. She's someone who's like working really hard and she like, you know, built up a whole bunch of like different literary magazines and like was shelling out yeah. for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden 
you have people who are like, oh, she just came out of nowhere. And these people who are like into the indie lit scene are like, no, she's been working for years. She's been here forever. She's been here yeah. forever. She's, she's good because she's like put in the time and like put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I have this burning. Oh. But now tell us more about yeah. your writing. No, like, I, I got this on, burning. Andy. Well, it's related to the writing, but I got this burning <laughs> question <laughs> for Josh. Um, so your book, Shift Drink, uh, mm-hmm. came out with WordPress, right? Um, it's coming out eventually. Coming out. <laughs> what was it like to work with like Richard Zykin? He's like a hero of mine. Oh, he. So I've kind of I've looked up for, to him for years. Um, yeah. In Spork Press, especially where. Yeah. Like they, you know, we're making like these handbound editions, and they're just beautiful, mm. beautiful books. For sure. Uh, yeah. And so you know, for years I would like send them submissions, and I like mm. had kind of met them at like literary festivals or around places. That's cool. And Richard would just be like, "Nope, not this one. Not nope, not this one." <laughs> and then eventually, one of them he was just like. <laughs> He's like, yes, we can do this, but we need to, like, like I sent in a chapbook manuscript. It was like 40 pages. Mm-hmm. He's like, we need to make it 80 pages. And like, you can do this. You're a good writer, but you have to try. And he's mm-hmm. that kind of person who is always going to be like, um, well, for, for example, like the most recent edit, I was like getting really frustrated with the manuscript and it's been in, mm-hmm. in transit for three years right now. It seems like a mm-hmm. weird time to release a book. <laughs> uh, but it it's like you can't slow it down, yeah. though, just because that's yeah. the way the world is. So the I'm, world's always going to be burning. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're doing this. We're writers. We're, <laughs> we're doing this, like, editing. And yeah. he was like, he's like, okay, go through each story. He's like, figure out something you love about it, something you hate about it, and something that, like, mm. you know, kind of confuses you. And he's like, that mm. way, like, you, you'll jump back into, like, how you want to approach the story. That's cool. And... Yeah, I really like reworked it. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna make this short story collection like have a through line, and now I know how to do it. Makes sense. Yeah, he's someone who like definitely knows how to like hone in and look at the big picture at the same time. That's cool. I dig it. That's pretty lit. <laughs> so, what do you think? Like, okay, this is gonna be like a really like bold uh-huh. question, and it's gonna probably annoy yeah. you. What writing do you think like? defines you the most that you've done so far that I've personally written um yeah and it could be like just small fiction pieces or whatever songs <laughs> books whatever I would say that Dig like deep. two maybe like most popular pieces I've had were both essays <laughs> and mm-hmm. one of them was like was this essay about like Vin Diesel singing stay by Rihanna. Uh, <laughs> that was on catapult like a year ago. Uh, yeah. and, I like and the that. other one was, um, it was published by the rumpus and it was like a, a mixtape that was like going through like oh. when I was in eighth grade or seventh or eighth grade. And like with this like n- neighborhood kid that I was like kind of frenemies with. And like <laughs> eventually he went on to, he died of testicular cancer. And I was like, I don't know how to like oh. reckon with this. Yeah. Um, and that one. <laughs> I'm not the only dark person <laughs> here. Yeah. It, it was like a really hard thing to write, where I like carried around for a lot of years. And then yeah. I like wrote this piece and I was like, okay, it's out in the world. Mm-hmm. And then everyone from my hometown was just kind of like, like I was like getting death threats and stuff like that. Where like, I oh, can't shit. believe you would disrespect his memory. 
And then I had like a hundred people just like <clears throat> dropping in my like DMs and be like, same thing happened to me. I didn't know how to say it. Like, thank you. Mm. And I was just like, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> just trying to like, so you got like a really polarizing reaction. It seems like. Yeah. Does that victim story and mix? Yeah, that's it. Is that the right one? Mm. Okay. <laughs> I'll read that later. I haven't read so that, that was one. That was the only two where it's like, I don't know how to work. Cause I had written like drafts of this essay, like on, on mm. that were just kind of straightforward. And I'm like, I wanted to make it a little more hybrid. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take all these like lyrics that like really stuck with me when I was, you know, this like young formative age and going mm. through all this and having like panic attacks mm. and, and mm. like, what were these things that like I related to? And then like interweave that within the narrative. I really dig that. Thanks. So would you like to read anything for us today? Yeah. So, um, this piece that was published a few months ago, it's kind of a companion piece to the, um, Vin Diesel, uh, singing Stay by Rihanna. Um, so this is, uh, on volume one, Brooklyn. It's called mountain. Okay. First, there is a mountain. Then there is no mountain. Then there is Donovan. Brett told me about this song his mom played when we were young or when he was young. He said, I should ask my sister. She knows. Brett was a deadhead. We pushed over a tool shed once so his mom could see the sunrise, but this was before. Brett had recordings from Dylan shows that nobody else had recordings of. Brett hid his handheld recorder in his sweatshirt sleeve, and he said that he would loan me a zip disk so that I could hear obscure versions of most of the time. And I wish I had a zip drive so I could hear them. Brett's sister was equally mythic. While he was a premature gray, she was a young 40. She leaned over our bar and whispered in my ear, look upon my garden, a snail, that's what it is. Their mother, whom they both lived with, played the song throughout their childhood. There is a mountain by Donovan was a revelation. I usurped the ox cord in our section of the restaurant, the upstairs gastropub imposed upon the four-star Iowa City restaurant. Usually, I'd make mixes with Sam Cooke and Lana Del Rey. If people were going to dine while I worked, I wouldn't let them be happy about it. When I brought There's a Mountain home to Abby, she scoffed. I held up my hand. Wait, listen. The panpipes came in, and the Dylan wannabe said, Look upon my garden gates, a snail, that's what it is. And we froze. Donovan repeated the line for us so that we could consume the image of his snail. My girlfriend smiled. She hadn't been smiling recently. In fact, she'd been screaming more often than speaking to me. She had been waking up in the night through her sleeping pills, muttering and clawing into my chest. She had been been calling me all the hurtful words she could think of. She had been kissing other guys and telling me, it's all right, and putting her fingers on my lips. It's all right, all right. We moved back to Iowa City from Des Moines, back to a world where we knew people, where there was a sense of culture back to a place where we could sink into a comfortable groove of drinking and working. We were no longer dependent on one another for company to both our pleasure and dismay. I'd come home tired of serving Iowa city's financial elite and she tired of her pre-law courses. Brett's weird song was a gift. We had something that broke our old habits. She was a gifted vocalist and I could write a song, but our styles never fit together. 
Our inherent strumming patterns were arrhythmic, and she told me that I was flat. Donovan lifted us up to another world. I plugged my phone into the aux cord of her second-hand stereo, and we listened. We discarded Brett and his sister and everyone who had heard the Donovan song and took it as our own. We spent days repeating the lines. We'd make oatmeal, and she would say, Oh, Juanita? Oh, Juanita, I'd respond. She'd say, Oh, Juanita, I call your name. I'd say, ay, in a high-pitched voice to mimic Donovan's timbre. The moments were good. i go to work, upbeat, open to the day, open to Donovan's questions, and it contributed. Then, while we walked to my friend's apartment, I laid out the lyrics. First, there is a mountain, I said. I put my arm over her shoulder and used my other hand to follow the skyline. Then there is no mountain. I stopped her on the sidewalk, got down on my knee, and said, Then, there is. I'm not in the mood, she said. She was never in the mood, or rather, I never knew when she wouldn't be in the mood. And we started fighting more, and we got into a big fight where we shouted across rooms, and the neighbors called the cops, and the officer gave me a card and said to call him personally if I was in danger. And we broke up just like we needed to, and she started therapy soon thereafter and was diagnosed. And it was hard to atone or to adjust when we were, tried to get back together. All the while, knowing the magic of that song was gone. What we share in the mysticism was overextended by my earnestness or her inability to decipher emotion. So we held on until she went to law school on the East Coast and I found Chicago. And I can listen to that song again with the magic it once held, knowing I don't owe a reason to anyone else. And just because they get it doesn't mean they get all of it. When you see the problem, then you ignore it. That mountain's always going to return. Holy shit, that was great. That was fantastic. Thanks for sharing that, Josh. Yeah, thanks for letting me read. Yeah, no, that was was really great. (laughs) Usually as a follow-up piece, I would ask, like, what music we should listen to, but they're self-explanatory. <laughs> Most of the time by Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow, that was yeah, fantastic. that was so good. Was, and we wow. really loved having you on this show. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Thanks for coming on, yeah. You're the first Chicagoan <laughs> I've been able to get on the show. So it's like, I need more of my more story here. <laughs> It's easier to explain the time (laughs) zone. (laughs) But is there any uh, social media or books or lit you want to plug? Cool. Um, Yeah, so my social media is uh, at Joshua Bonsack. B as in boy, O-H-N-S-A-C-K for everything. Uh, Let's see. I do want to plug a book, but I don't know what. (laughs) <laughs> take your time it's fine um yeah so recently i've been reading um if the body allows it by megan cummins uh mm-hmm. she's a great writer she's a managing editor of um a public space and i've also been going back yeah. through all must go by kevin stern which is now out from house of vlad i love him yeah i think he's been in my writing group 
Yeah, and uh, Bud's running to South Man. That wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, I mean that, that totally fits his aesthetic. He's a great writer, and like uh, we published his his chapbook with Long Day Press. Um, I've done worse, and my like co-editor on that Joe, who's just like, hey, I've got this friend. He's like really weird. He's perfect for our aesthetic. Like, let's do this book. And I was read through it. And I was like, oh, this is like Dennis Johnson, but like times clowns. <laughs> I love it. Well, all right. Thank you very much for being on Textual yeah, Healing. Thanks for having me. Uh, for sure. If anybody else wants to come on, DM me or Andy. I know. think we've given our plugs, but yeah, let us know. <laughs> <laughs>